Romans chapter number 6. If you have been following this teaching, we have been teaching at length by design for some time now under the subject trapped by your traditions, which we have taken on a subheading in the last several weeks under grace. Now, we talked very lengthy with this, and by now, uh, you should know that the new creation in Christ is not under law, but under grace. We dealt with what that means, and I encourage you to go back to the previous teachings. You could do that by going to our church website. That's sgfc.church. But we have been dealing here lately under the subheading, under grace. Someone say that, under grace. Now, Last week, we talked about position versus practice. Positionally, as believers, those of us who are in Christ Jesus, our position is that of holiness. We are in right standing with God because of the finished work of Jesus. We're not holy because of what we do. We're holy because of what Jesus done. So positionally, we are presented before God, holy, blameless, and above reproach. We are, are able to be presented that way because of what Jesus did. Now, our practice is what we do daily. In other words, our daily walk, men of God, is to correspond with our position. It is my walk that identifies me as one being holy, one who has been sanctified, set apart, distinguished above those who are not holy. So when we understand this again, and we'll go over this again today, grace makes you eager to practice that walk that corresponds with your position. And our position is we are holy. <laughs> so you're not trying to get holy, you are holy. And my walk, again, is what I do daily. And that walk uh, uh, identifies me as one who positionally is in right standing with the Father. Are you here? So I want to, let's pick up a little bit. And, and let me say this. I am a teacher. So there's going to be review. And all of that getting, get and understanding. And I'm on the wise that I know that everyone may not grasp everything in one 45, 50-minute teaching. And again, when you have been indoctrinated with the wrong type of teaching, it's going to take more than two or three or four or five 45, 50-minute messages to uproot a lifetime or years of teachings that are incongruent or goes against the truth of God's word. So it's vital that I hear this and I hear it and I hear it. Well, how do I know when it's making a difference? When my trajectory changes, when my practice starts corresponding with my position, I know now it's getting in me. You missed that. When my practice begins to correspond with my position, that is a sign that this thing or what I'm hearing is working. Are you with me? So today I want to talk about freedom, and listen to this, from sin. 
the believer, there is a freedom from sin. Again, you still have the ability to fall short. But the sin crystal that separated you and I from God, once you become a believer, that thing I have been freed from. Oh, y'all. Yeah, looking at me like, nah. these aren't my words. And here's the thing. If the word of God Alina says, I'm free from sin as a believer, I need to let that truth be settled in me. See, it's about understanding our position. And what religion has done, religion has told us, is that when your practice isn't as uh, uh, aggressive or progressive, if you will, as some others, they're still telling us that we are still sinners. See, I'm not identified. Listen, God sees me positionally, as in right standings. But what people do, I am not my practice. My practice, again, identifies me with my position. But you have to understand is that as I practice, I begin to look more and more like Christ. But what religion, again, has told us, because you are still somewhat in that immature stage or that stage where you're not fully mature or seem to be as mature as others, oh, you're not saying, no, the devil is a lie. Because in Christ, I've been freed from sin. Let's look at this. Just to give you a nugget, an excellent way, and I want you to study. Read this whole epistle in your leisure. But an excellent way to understand the epistle to the Romans, again, Apostle Paul, he's given them somewhat a preview of what's to come when he arrives. Are you here? But an excellent way to understand the epistle of Romans, look at it as a dialogue between Apostle Paul and an unnamed objector or someone who was opposing what he is preaching. So as Apostle Paul sets forth the gospel, he hears this objector raising all kinds of arguments against the gospel that he's preaching. Now, sometimes when you read this letter, sometimes the objections are clearly stated. Sometimes they are only implied. But whether stated or implied, they all revolve around this gospel message, man of God, that he's preaching. Much like we find today. And unfortunately, much of what we heard in Christendom has not been the gospel. We've heard good speeches and good sermons, but we haven't heard the gospel. <laughs> Talk about the good news of Jesus' finished work. But whether stated or implied, these questions revolve around the gospel, which is the good news of salvation by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus. Watch this, apart from the works of the law. Are you with me? So the apostle replies to his opponent's questions one by one. And by the time he is finished, Paul has answered every major attitude that man can take regarding the gospel of the grace of God. We're under grace. We see this in this letter, right? So it's, it's important that we understand this, that we're justified by faith, right? Not 
the works of the law. And you need to understand that. Oh, I don't, oh, just to give you a nugget, and if, and if I live by the works of the law, I put myself back under the curse that was a result of not keeping the law. That's Bible. God doesn't do it. You do it to yourself. So it's important that I understand which covenant I am a part of. So think of Romans as dealing with 11 main questions. Now, I'm, I'm saying this for a reason. Would you like to know what those are so you can look for them when you're studying? Now, it, that means I have to add another five minutes at the end of my message. So I have your consent? <laughs> okay. So you saying, Rev, we give you another five minutes. You saying that, right? Okay. All right. <laughs> but an acquaintance with these 11 questions and their answers will give us a working knowledge of this important epistle. I will let Timber put them up on the screen. You can screenshot it. But I don't want to get stuck going over all of these. But uh, one of the questions is, what is, and, and I give you the chapters where you can find it. What is the subject of the letter? What is the gospel? Why do men need the gospel? According to the gospel, how can ungodly sinners? See, he's answering all of these things. Okay, keep going. Does the gospel agree with the Old Testament scripture? What are the benefits? See, we, we've been dealing with six and seven. What are the benefits of justification in a believer's life? One of the things we learned last week is that we learned is that we have peace with God now. See, oh, here, here's the thing. You remember, now, we've taught that as a result of Adam, and we've seen this in Romans chapter 5, because of his sin, because of his disregarding God's command, we all came up, or, up under the judgment of God, God's wrath. The punishment of God. We were condemned because of Adam. Right? But we were made righteous or freed because of Jesus. Notice this now. If the penalty, and that penalty, again, was death. Right? We've seen this. So as a, as a result of Adam's uh, sin, man, not only was he separated and alienated from the presence of God, but... It brought about a spiritual death and a which would result eventually in a physical death. Who remembers this? Now, because of what he did, there was a penalty which brought about punishment. But in Christ, that believer, the penalty and the punishment has been removed. That's why we've seen that there's no more judgment. Who remembers seeing this? Wave at me. Because you're looking like, ah, I don't, is this about, you have to <laughs> be a good note taker. Okay, get, give them the rest of the 11 and let's keep moving. Now, last week, again, we kind of ended, let's look at chapter 5, verse 21. Let's look at this. And if you want to catch up as to where I am, refer to last week's message. Uh, Romans 5, 
chapter 5, verse 21, New King James. Watch this now. Then we want to move into 6. So that as sin reigned in death, do you see this? Even so, grace reigned what? Now, last week, we, we, I gave you context. We started at verse 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. But for the sake of moving forward, I wanted to give you a little review and just pick up here. We go right into where we left off last week. So that as sin reigned in death, see, that's death came as a result of sin. Even so, grace was reigning because of Christ. Sin reigned because of Adam. Grace reigns because of Christ. Yeah. I'm going to add another two minutes just for that response because sin reigned, watch this, because of Adam. Grace reigned as a result of Christ. So guess what was reigning in us as children of Adam? Sin. Guess what reigns in us as children of God? Right, uh, grace. Even so, grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ. In other words, now, Jesus Christ our Lord, now that the reign of sin, inflicting death on all men, has been ended. Okay? Now, it's been ended, but it's not ended in a person's life who's still a part of Adam's family. The penalty has been removed. The payment has been satisfied. But in order for that person to, to reign in grace, he has to accept Christ as his Savior. The debt's been paid for them. They just need to receive the payment that was paid. Oh. Notice here that grace reigns through righteousness. Watch this. All the demands of God's holiness have been met, and the penalty of the law has been paid. We've seen all this. So God can now grant eternal life to all who come on the merits of Christ's finished work, on the basis of what Jesus did, who was our substitute. Now, let's go to, I wanted to read that to let you know what's reigning now. And we'll, get, we'll understand chapter, notice again, chapter 6 is a continuation of 5. Now, here, Apostle Paul answers the question, does the teaching of salvation by grace through faith permit or even encourage sinful living? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Look at verse 6. Verse 1, I'm sorry. Romans 6, 1. What shall we say then? Shall sin... Shall we continue in sin that grace abound? See, if you just turn to Romans chapter 6, read verse 1, it looks like perhaps you, you might can, you know, someone asked the question, what shall we, can we continue in that grace may abound? Because it never ceased to amaze me. Whenever you talk about grace, this is one of the very first verse I go to. It don't mean you can say, who said that? Grace don't mean you can live out here and live any kind of way. Who said that? And that's not what he's saying here. Listen, you got to look at what Paul, that's why I want to read verse 21. 
what Paul has said at the close of chapter 5, that grace superabounds or abounds much more over all men's sin, raises another question, a very important one. Again, does it teach that salvation by grace through faith permit or even encourage sinful living? It's an emphatic no. Are you here? And Paul answers this particular question over chapter 6, 7, and 8. Now, here in chapter 6, and I want to get to this, we said the answer centers around three key words. Know, reckon, or consider, same word, and present. Know, reckon, and what? Present. Now, if you understand that, it will help us follow Paul's argument in this chapter. Uh, if we understand the difference, watch this, between the believer's position and his practice. See, I want to say this so you would know where you are positionally. His position is his standing in Christ. And our standing in Christ is that we are holy before God as a Christian. Even when your practice needs practice. As a believer, I'm still holy before God. Not because of what you did, daughter, but because of what Jesus did. Will you say this positionally? As a child of God, I stand I holy before God. Positionally, I am holy before God. Positionally, I am holy before God. Now, my practice is what I do every day. Again, and my practice corresponds with my position. In other words, I walk holy. I talk holy. I live holy. Why? Because that's who I am. Uh -uh. I'm not trying to be holy. I am holy. See, you have mistaken my, my imperfections as whether or not I'm holy or not. No, I'm holy with all my flaws. I just encourage you, just keep looking at my practice because my practice gets better each week. So you got to identify me with my position. And when you identify me with my position, you won't be so judgmental relative to my practice. Why? Because you need practice too. So we letting people who are religious tell us you are not ho the devil is a lie. You see, there's things that see the more you practice, the more those ungodly things begin to fall off. So we letting people condemn us. Because of the practice. And when you understand your position, your practice, those ungodly things, you'll begin to see them fall off and you do them less and less. But positionally, you're holy. Oh, y'all, not even. Lord, he's shifting this. Where I want, what he wants me to go. Is it Colossians 1? 22, 23, Timberland. Let, let's, let me go here since I feel like he wants me to go here. See, again, grace puts us into the position, then it 
teaches us to walk, teaches us to walk worthy of it. Let me show you something real quick. And you were once alienating enemies in your mind by the wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you what? So how are you presented? How are you presented? Yeah, but you know you're still working on some things. So you have to know this because the devil will condemn you and try to get you out of believing God. And have you forever living feeling guilty and condemned. See, and we've seen that that sin consciousness has been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. So you have, you're not your practice. See, I'm not the practice. I'm the position. <laughs> the position says I'm open. <laughs> How are you presented? Holies. Uh, well, <laughs> I'm thinking about my jeans. <laughs> Holy. It was some of us, some eat, there's some religious person watching now. Hey, how is he a preacher with them raggedy clothes on? Because this is practice, sir. This is not who I am. I'm not my clothes. Ma'am, I'm holy, blameless, and above reproach. That's why nobody can bring an accusation to God about you. Who can accuse you? See, I'm in Romans 8. See, see. Oh, this is in, in, in this ladder here. What we What we This is good to me. Now y'all said I could have another five minutes. Who remember saying that? Huh? Y'all remember? Trying to freeze up on me. Let's go to. Let me show you something. Oh, this is good. So we're in Romans 6 1, right? So our position is our standing in Christ. And our standing, we're presented what? Holy, blameless, and I'll show you this again. Our practice is what we do in everyday living. Okay? Now, I said grace puts us into the position, then teaches us to walk worthy of it. Let me show you this again. Titus 3, 5 through 7, and I want to show you, it's not any, you're not holy because of anything you've done other than receive Jesus. He saved us not because of any what? Works of righteousness that we have done. See that? See, and, and you can walk your you can walk perfectly every day if there's a such thing of perfection. Okay? But still, that's not what makes you righteous or holy before God because you, did, you crossed every T dotted every I. That's good. Stay at it. But it's not because of our works. He saved us not because 
of any works of righteousness that we have done, but because of his, because of his own compassion and mercy, by the cleansing of the new birth, spiritual transformation, regeneration, and renewing by Holy Spirit. Remember Holy Spirit, that is significant here. Whom he poured out recently upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior. Verse 7, so that we should be justified, you see this, made free of the guilt of sin by his compassionate, undeserved grace, and that we would be, see, you are acknowledged as acceptable to him because of what Jesus did. You're not acknowledged acceptable because you walk right. Walk right. But you are, you are acknowledged ac- acceptable before God because of Jesus, okay? And made heirs of eternal life. Actually, experience, see, we, we should be experiencing it now, assuming we have the revelation of who we are in him. According to the hope, according to our hope, his guarantee. Titus 2 11 and 12, again, grace puts us into the position, then teaches us to walk worthy of it. And I want to show you something because you there? Let's read. For the remarkable, undeserved grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Okay? Uh, verse 12, it, see, what, what does grace do? So, so again, when you hear the message of grace, we have to quit. Nobody, whoever said it's a license to live any kind of way? No, grace teaches us to correspond with my position. See, it teaches us to reject what? See, see. So when you have the correct or proper message of grace, then it teaches you to stray away from ungodliness. Why? Because I'm sanctified. I'm holy. And worldly, immoral desires. And to live what? Sensible. See, grace teaches you to live sensible, upright, and godly lives with a purpose purpose that reflect spiritual maturity in this present age. So our position is absolutely perfect before God because we are in Christ. Oh, you missed that. Our position is absolutely perfect before God because we are in Christ. Our practice should increasingly correspond to our position. Who understands what I'm saying? Because I know I am holy, brother Damien. Therefore, I walk holy. It's not my walking holy that makes me holy. I'll say it one more again. It's not my walking holy, Jeremiah, that makes me holy. Walk holy. But I'm holy because of what Jesus did. See, I came up in a Pentecostal persuasion. I'm grateful for my roots. I'm just saying. I'm holy because of what Jesus did. Not because I break out. That's not. You see, you see sometimes religion will put, a, will put a standard on us beyond what even God requires. 
the tradition of man have made the word of God, this is what we started out right, of none effect. Why? Because they were putting the religious, uh, the, the Pharisees were known for putting, laying a heavy burden on people or putting things on people that was beyond the word of God that they wouldn't even do themselves. Sounds familiar, y'all. Sometimes because we stand in this position, we feel like we could tell you to walk holy and I can live any kind of way. No, no, sir. You have to walk the same walk that you're encouraging me to walk. And let me tell you, from the chiefest, among the chiefest of the chiefest of the chiefest apostles, because that's what we got now. You, you hear now, the chief, 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 chief apostle. Then you got another person, ego tripping, where I'm the chief, 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 chief apostle. So from the chiefest of the uh, uh, highest among the chiefest to the lowest, none of them are holy by what they do. And all of them need practice. No chief standing among you is perfect. I don't care how perfect she appears, how perfect he appears, that brother still needs practice. That sister still needs practice. Don't let these folk fool you because they dressed in a certain civic attire. I got all that stuff at home. Last time I wore it, it made me feel like I was in bondage. Now, I wear it when I have to for whatever certain ceremony. But I'm saying, it, 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 may, it don't make it. No. No. Some of y'all was looking at me strange the other Sunday when I was y'all like, what? Has he, he teaching on trapped by your traditions and he's coming in here. Got a chain around his neck. Collar on. <laughs> it has its place. I'm just saying, sometimes we see that crystal and we automatically get in fear and think those who are teaching us are perfect and have no flaws. Don't believe that. Don't believe that. I don't care who they are, who they are, they need practice. I don't care who stand up here, man of God, tell you that they all together, they still need practice. Yes, they do. And I would tell, I'm not, see, I'm not afraid to tell them. I tell them. I tell them. I love them. Hey, bro, you still need practice. Yeah. Your thing may not be my thing, but you still need practice. The mere fact that I'm condemning you lets me know I need practice. Because nowhere does the Bible tell us to condemn man. Matter of fact, Holy Spirit doesn't condemn. He convicts. And it's his job, the word, the, script, the word of God says that he will convict the world of sin. Not you. What preachers have done has condemned folk rather than let Holy Spirit do the convicting. Let him do the work. Let's move on. But our, and the reason why I say that because our position, watch this, man of God, would never correspond 
perfectly until we see our Savior in heaven. So no man can stand before you and say he is perfect. He is telling a fib if he does. Now, we should be becoming more and more conformed to his image in the meantime, but perfection in the sense of having no flaws, you're not going to reach it, man. Even when, again, because I, I hear you now, you're going to Matthew chapter 5. Bible said, be ye perfect, even as Christ is perfect. Again, that word perfect in the Hebrew, it means to come to a place of maturity through a process of growth. It doesn't mean perfect in the sense of flawless. You're not going to do that. That means you'll never have another crazy thought. You'll never uh, think uh, crazy about anybody. You'll never have another bad thing. It's... And religion has put that burden on people. Oh, see, back to my attire. We understand that you are holy because of Christ's work. My work doesn't make me holy. So no matter how I dress, see, but religion has told you holiness is a certain appearance. All white. No makeup, no jewelry. Cover everything up. Yeah. Folks struggling, man. They still need practice. Yeah, so sometimes they need practice more so than those of us who got the revelation of that ain't how you. That ain't, that's not what make you holy. You said I can have another five minutes. So the believer positionally becomes holy at the time of his conversion. When? Let me show you something. 1 Corinthians 1, 30, amplified. But it is from him that you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God Revealing his plan of salvation and righteousness, making us acceptable to God and sanctification, holy. That's what that word means. Making us holy and setting us apart for God and redemption, providing our, see, here we go, ransom from the penalty of sin. Do you see this? So, again, back to that wrath and condemnation and judgment that came as a result of sin. When we are born again or born from above, literally, we have been, see, the penalty has been satisfied. Are you here? Now, let me show you something else. Hebrews 10 and 10. Notice we're trying to get to those three key words I had you to write down last week. Know, reckon, and present. Hebrews 10.10. And in accordance with this will of God, we who believe in the message of salvation have been, no, you're sanctified because you do all the, so, so it's not the works that make you sanctified? Oh, so it's believing in the message.
of Jesus that is. See, that's the gospel, knowing that I'm holy because of what Jesus did, sir. Who believe in the message of salvation have been sanctified. That is what? Set apart as? Set apart as how? Holy for God and his purposes. Through the offering of the body of Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed, the anointed one, once and for all. See, when you become a believer, you have been made holy once and for all because of what Jesus did. You hear? Now, last week we talked about, so positionally we become holy at the moment of our conversion. Then there is a practical holiness or sanctification. That's what we do every day. Then there is a complete or perfect sanctification, and you get that when you see Jesus. When do you get that one? When you see Jesus. Who wants that one now? Boy, ain't nobody wanting to go see the Lord. Nobody raised their hand. No. Old wretched man that I am. Let me keep working on it. <laughs> I, I say, I'm gonna keep practicing. Who agree? Lord, I need practice. Jesus don't need you now? Yeah, Lord, I got too many issues. You don't want me. No, you don't want me up there. Not there, there. You don't want me up there. I'd be a bad influence right now, Jesus. That's what. <laughs> I got a lot of work. Anybody else? Thank, thank the Lord. Who got work to do? See, all, all the people who already, they just. But I got some practice to do. Amen. God is good. <laughs> now, let's go back to Romans 6, verse 1. But you get that perfect holiness when you see Jesus, meet him face to face. Verse 1, Romans 6, 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Now, notice this is a continuation of what was said in chapter 5, right? Now, notice, I said, look at this as Apostle Paul talking to a Jewish objector. Notice he was talking to Gentiles and Jews. And one of the things he presents is that this salvation is for everybody, the Jews and the Gentiles. Are you here? No matter what their persuasion is, this gospel is for everybody. No matter how low they are, this gospel is for that man too. No matter how wicked they seem, it's for that woman also, that man also. So the objector, now notice, I want, so you can understand verse 1. The, the objector comes forward with what he thinks is a clinching argument. Oh, I got you now. So what he says, if the gospel of grace teaches that man's sins provides for an even greater display of grace, then doesn't it suggest that we should continue in sin, that grace may abound or be all the more abundant? So this is what he's saying. 
go back to chapter 5. I think it was verse 17 or 18. That, I think it's verse 17. So here's, again, that's like me going to Minister Joe. He's telling me about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and, and he said, well, man, we're sin abound. Grace must more abound. Okay, for by one man's offense, death reigned through. Much more, those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in Christ. Maybe we'll go, go down to verse 18. Okay, 19. Okay, 20. There it go. Moreover, the law entered that offense might abound, but where sin abound, what? Abound grace. Abound where sin abound, grace abounded much more. So the objector is like this. He said, So if 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 where grace abound, put it back up, put it back up. Moreover, the law entered that where offense abound, but where sin abound, so he was saying, well, if there's more grace, watch this. It seems more logical that if I keep sinning, then there's more grace. See, notice he says, where sin abound, abound it, grace much more abound it. So when you go, now let's go back to verse 1. So he's, the objector is saying, daughter, well, it seems more logical that if more grace abound, the more I sin, should I keep sinning? That's what he's saying. That's, so now he says, well, what shall we say then? Shall we so now he's saying, well, what should I say to what you just said? Shall we continue saying that grace may abound? Certainly not. One, you can't. Because you've been delivered from sin. Uh, see, y'all. You can still miss the mark. No, no, I'm sorry. You can still fall short. But again, the sin nature, that thing that separated you from God, when you become a believer, that has been done away with. That man is dead. See, how can a dead man sin? He can't. Why? Because he's dead. That's why the first word you have to know. Certainly not. How shall we who have? How can you? So his thing was, listen, it's impossible. I can't continue to sin. Why? Well, grace may abound. Why? Because died from it. Freed from it. See, this is not what's been taught, Christian. We, we take it out of context. Well, so you continue to sin that grace may abound. Just, let's just be logical. Where sin abound, grace abounded. Grace abounded. So again, he's, this, his response was, listen. Again, that's like Minister Joseph saying, listen. Well, it seems like the more I sin, daughter, is logical because I get more grace. That's why I said, what shall we say then? Shall we continue to sin that grace? Certainly not. That's like me saying, certainly not, sir. Why? Because the old you 
is dead. Hold on. And if you're dead to it, you can't live in it any longer. Who's not getting this? Dead to it is dead, Brother Jackson. Notice, listen, listen to what I'm saying. That which separated you from God, man of God, because of Adam. That sin nature, that sin thing has been dealt with. That's why any man be in Christ is a new creation. Old things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. Let me show you something, man. Another reason why you can't do it is because you have been freed from it. Can I fall short of God's glorious standard? Yes. But that sin nature that I had, that sin debt that was over my head, that's been, that man is dead. Oh, you're not. Uh, who's getting this? No, as Paul said, listen, we cannot continue because we have died to it. No, he said, certainly not. See, this is a positional truth. When Jesus died to sin, listen to this now. This is a positional truth. When Jesus died to sin, he died as our representative. He died not only as our substitute, that is, in our place, but he died as our representative. That is, he died as us. Oh, man. Therefore, when he died, we died. So, watch this. He died to the whole question of sin. He died to the whole question of sin, settling it once and for all. That's why all those who are in Christ are seen by God as having died to sin. That's why we can be presented holy, man of God. Are you here? So we are identified with Christ in his death and in all that his death means, which it settled that sin issue. Oh, man. Again, this does not mean that the believer cannot fall short of the glory of God. But his sin issue, that thing which separated him from God because of Adam, that thing has been dealt with. And now, as, in, uh, as a believer in Christ, I'm presented holy, not a sinner. Are you with me? Are you here? So the first key word in Paul's presentation is know. See, positionally, you have to know. Let's look at that word. Let me show you something real quickly, and I'm sure we're going to have to pick up here next week. Who, who get, who's getting what I'm saying? Let me show you something, because y'all looking at Just let me give you this. No, no, I am right here. Let, let, let me give you this real quick. I want to look at something. I want you to see something. Romans 6, 3. 
and 6. You hear? So the first word we need to know is what? No. We have to know. Now, just let me give you the definition of the word baptize so as we read it, you have a better understanding. So the word baptize is the Greek word baptizo, baptizo, and it means to submerge or to immerse, okay? So it implies immersion, not a sprinkling on your forehead. It means to submerse. Are you here? Are you here? Immerse, submersion. So I'm saying that to say whenever you're reading throughout Scripture, when you understand what it means to be submersed in, you have to understand the context of what he's talking about being submersed in. Every word in the Bible that uses the word baptized is not talking about water. But what we automatically think about when we see baptized, water. But here he's not talking about water. Hebrews talks about the, the, the doctrine of baptisms. There's more than one type of baptism. Let me show you, because you gave me five minutes. Hebrews 6, 1 and 2. Just let me show you something real quick. See, that's all we heard. And it's not necessary for salvation. No. See, that's a word. What if you don't have time to get, what if you're on your deathbed and don't have time to get baptized and you receive Jesus? You're not going to make it because we didn't have time to get you to the water? And people use, think it's in Mark about uh, being saved and baptized. No, no. Paul was talking about being immersed in this gospel. Oh, I don't want to go to that because it would take up too much time. But every, every time we see baptized, it's not referring to water baptism. Now, Hebrews, uh, Hebrews 6, 1 and 2. Let me show you something real quick. I want to show you this because you have to be immersed, soaked in knowing who you are in Christ. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying us out, not laying us out again the foundation of repentance from dead works of faith toward God. Of the what? Doctrine of baptisms, plural, of the land on the hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal life. So there's a baptism of Holy Spirit. There's a baptism of repentance. There's a baptism of fire. There's water baptism. There is the baptism into Christ's death. That's what he's talking about here. The immersion or submersion of understanding the importance of being a part of Christ's death. Now look at verse 3. Or do you not know that as many of us who were submersed into Christ's death were immersed or submersed? Do you see this? Or do you not know that many of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? So we were, again, he died as us. Why? Because we were in him. Knowing this, that our old man, the one that had that sin issue, what happened to him? He was crucified. So, so when Christ was on the cross, you was up there. 
And when he was immersed, you were in him and you were immersed too. That's why you can be presented before God holy. Why? Because the life that you now live, you live by faith in. Whichever word you want to use, in of the Son of God. And I showed you, we, we are seated in the heavenly places. Teach it now. Watch this. And when you become a believer, watch this. You went through that whole experience. He did it for all humanity. That's why humanity has to receive him. Then know who they are in him. Watch this. Knowing this, that our old man was, see guys, the old man, what happened to the old man? So how can he sin? When he'd been crucified. Now, he can, the new man can miss the mark. The, I, 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 can fall short. That's the word Bible uses. Okay? So he can fall short, but the old man that had the sin issue, he gone. So the answer to, can we, shall we continue in, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. Why? Because he did to it. He can't do it. Dead men don't lie. Dead men don't cheat. Dead men don't fornicate. Dead men don't commit adultery. Dead men don't live ungodly. Why? Because they dead. I heard you. Well, I'm a new creation, and uh, I, I was one of them things that you mentioned. Keep practicing. Why? Because God sees you holy, blameless, and above. You are not the act. See? That's why you have to know. And so you have to keep telling yourself why you're in the act. You know he died, right? You know she doesn't do that anymore. Why? Because she dead. And if she dead, she can no longer. And as Pastor T just said, listen, and if you don't understand that, come see her and she will help you with the practice. She'll make what I'm saying a little bit more clear to you. So I'm looking like, ah, I still. See, you, you, sir, d- believe the word. I don't believe that stuff. D- d- so you don't believe the word? So the old man not dead? And you received Christ. So Now watch this now. Watch this. Knowing this, that the old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be what? Done away with. That we should no longer be slaves of sin. Why? Because the dead to it. Watch this. Now, the old man refers, watch this, to all that we were as children of Adam. The old, all the evil thoughts, evil ways, our unregenerate selves, those old habits and proclivities and appetites. 
that so easily try to beset us? You received that from your first parents. But at the point of conversion, we put off the old man and we put on the new man. Notice, so here, watch this, he introduces us or he introduced the subject of baptism to show that it is morally incongruous for the believers to go on to sin. Why? Because he has died to it. So the baptism here, he's talking about what? The submersion of Christ's death. So when a person is saved, he is baptized into Christ Jesus, okay? In the sense that he is identified with Christ in his death and his resurrection. Are you here? Watch this. Again, this is not the same of the baptism in or of the spirit because that's not a baptism into death. Okay? The crucifixion of the old man at Calvary means that the body of sin has been put out of commission. Y'all missing this. Stop letting people tell you you're a sinner because your practice have not been perfected. When I say perfected, not perfect in the sense you never miss it, but it still got some issues. You're not a sinner if you're a believer. Are you here? Watch this. The crucifixion of, watch this, of the old man at Calvary means that the body of sin. So if that body has been crucified, how can it sin? Do you see this? It's being put out of commission. See, the body of sin doesn't refer to the physical body. Rather, it means the indwelling sin, which personified, personified as that ruling autocrat, that tyrant, again, that nature that came from Adam, or as a result of Adam, and had us separated from God, that's out of commission. That's why the mind has to be renewed. You got to get mind right. So you have to know. And most people don't know because of what they've been told. So they're still trying to walk a certain way and do it on their own, which Paul addresses this, and they can't do it. Are you here? Watch this. I'm getting to a place closed. The body of sin is done away with. It has been annulled. Do you hear me? Rendered inoperative as a controlling power. Notice, look at the last clause, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. That means that the tyranny of sin is over and has been broken. You just have to know that. Why? That man is dead. Well, where do you get that? Freed from sin. I ain't never heard such a thing in all the days of my life. <laughs> Look at verse 7 and we'll close. 
we still got to get to know, reckon, and present. But we won't be today. For he who has, see, first of all, he's not talking about an earthly death. Talking about at your time of conversion. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Do you see this? You've been freed from it. That's why you have to know. That's why you have to reckon or consider yourselves to be dead to it. <laughs> Look at this. Not only has our penalty been paid, but sin's stranglehold on our lives has been broken. Are you with me? The baptism in Christ means that in the reckoning of God, the believer has died with Christ and has risen with him. So baptism here, Paul is speaking of our spiritual identification with Christ. Look at verse 4. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into his death, that just as Christ was what? Raised from the dead by what? The glory of God. Glory to God the Father. Even so, we should walk in newness of life. Guys, when we became believers at conversion, the sin nature that we inherited, Alina from Adam, that man is dead. So he can't sin. He can fall short. But if he's dead, well, why, why do you keep saying that, Reverend? Because you have been freed from sin. Well, how, you been, how was you free? When you died to it. Well, when did you die to it? When you accepted Christ as your Savior. Oh, man. See, it's hard to get this because we keep identifying ourselves with our practice. Well, I said a bad word yesterday. That old man. See, watch this. But when you know who you are positionally, you will get up and keep practicing in such a way that your practice identifies you or it looks like your position. See, but when you don't know that, you live in condemnation forever. You'll be at the altar every week getting saved again and again and again and again and again and again and again. You done got saved 759,000 times. What would have happened under the teaching that some people get like that? What would happen if you do something else crazy between Monday and Friday and you done been saved 900 times already? You know what they'll get up there and say? Oh, you didn't make it. No, that's what's it? And for you to get saved over and over again means Christ will have to keep coming and sacrificing himself over and over again. See, he did it once and for all. See, under the old covenant, their mind was never at conscience, their, their conscience was never at ease because there was a continuous process of sacrificing. That's why when Christ came, he ended that. You don't need to sacrifice anymore. 
That's why when you see Jesus, you have eternal life now. That's Bible. Not then. You have it. Are you here? Now, let me close with this. What water baptism does, it gives us a... Now, now it's good to be baptized if you want to be baptized, but it's not necessary to, in order to be saved. It's not. And somebody tell you, oh, they are in error. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. Not by works. That's any man should boast. If I have to do it in order to get to see that's works. And God forbid the man who don't have time. Well, you, you don't have time to get baptized. See? We, we, we got to know this, man. But water baptism gives us a visual demonstration of baptism into Christ. See, it identifies us, us with the process. It pictures the believer being immersed. Listen to this. In death's dark waters, in the person of Jesus. And it pictures the new man in Christ rising to walk in newness of life. As he goes under the water, he is saying, watch this. All that I was as a sinful son of Adam was put to death on the cross. See, it, it was put to death. And as he comes up out of the water, he is saying, it is no longer I who live. Y'all missed that. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Galatians 2.20, I close right here. Oh, we did get to know. We don't know now. So next week we get reckoned and, 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 and present. Watch this, King James Version. I am crucified. Uh, let me get to KJ. <clears throat> Look at this. Anybody get anything? I know I did. See, guys, listen. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith. See, again, notice, oh, we live from his faith, not our faith. What do you mean his faith? Our agreement and what he satisfied before the Father, we live in agreement with that. See, if it, I understand what we mean. What? Well, when the Bible says just should live by his faith, it's we should live by our living in agreement with the Father. Not your faith in the sense that you're doing something. See, that's pride. Well, Habakkuk says the just should live by his. Again, you already been taught this. Habakkuk was upset at the wickedness that was going on around him. The Babylonians, they were prideful. So when Habakkuk talks about the just to live by his faith, he's talking about his faith in God, not his faith. So he was saying, 
it, it, whereas the wicked people live by their faith, being prideful, the just should live by his faith. Talking about the faith at no point in time was man ever to live independent of God. He has always supposed to live dependent on God, having faith in him. Are you here? Notice this is, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I, yet not I, but Christ of it in me in the life which, notice he says right here, the life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Not by my faith, by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself. Who sees this? See, see, we live from the faith of Jesus. What do you mean? His finished work, it satisfied the Father. And if it's good enough for God, the Father, it should be good enough for me. Living by faith for the believer, new creation for the believer, is to live in agreement with God. If God likes this, I like it. If God doesn't like it, I don't like it. Why? Because I'm not in agreement. He loves what he loves, and he hates what he hates. He doesn't hate the people. Are you here? Come on, let's get the Lord a hand clap of praise. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to make a donation and support this ministry as we expand the kingdom of God, please visit ShekinahGloryFC.com or download our church app from iTunes App Store or Google Play by searching Shekinah Glory FC and click Give to make your donation.